your blood runs orange and blue. Orange and blue. blue. This, this is the pod, is the for, you. pod for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. So the playoffs are around the corner, but there's still business left to be handled. This is EJ Stewart joined by Tommy Beer. Orange and Blue Blood, new episode coming at you right now. Plenty to get to on this episode. We'll be talking about this Knicks-Pacers matchup happening on Wednesday. The Knicks, as of right now, as we enter Tuesday, still have something important to play for. So we'll talk about uh, this game coming up against the Indiana Pacers. We'll also be talking about um, Jalen Brunson. And I told you guys that we would be talking about some of these other award cases. We mentioned uh, Leon Rose for executive of the year we'll, we'll probably get to tibbs coach of the year conversation at some point in this last week of the season uh, we're going to focus on Jalen brunson today and his most improved player candidacy he actually was asked about it by stephan bondi of the daily news and he had some comments on that and, and didn't seem exactly excited about campaigning for the award so i'll ask tommy about that as well and i know we're a knicks podcast but there is something happening with a non-knicks nba team that is extremely important in terms of what it will mean for the Knicks this offseason. We'll talk about that as well. So plenty to get to on this episode of Andre Blue Bloods. Tommy Beer again joins me. How you feeling, Tommy? Feeling good. Feeling good. Final week of the regular season. So many storylines abound. Um, West Western Conference completely up in the air. Um, but we know that the Knicks are playoff bound. Now it's just a question of whether they lock in the five seed, fall back to six. Outside chance, they, they jump up to four. Very outside chance. Um, but uh, either way, we'll have some playoff basketball in the spring. But before that, um, Nick's got to close out the regular season and have a chance to lock up that five seed um, as soon as Wednesday night against the Pacers. Yeah, that, yeah, it, that five seed is, is ultra important because it means that the Knicks likely would avoid a match with one of those top three teams, likely, of course, being the, 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 the Philadelphia 76ers. So that's something that Knicks have focused on a great deal of, of, of the last couple months of the season once the nets kind of fell apart and we saw that kevin durand and Kyrie wouldn't be on the team meaning that they would slide the knicks had their uh their bullseye on that five seed and right now it's right right there in their face all they need is a uh, one nets win or knicks win on their own one that's lost or knicks win on their own to get that so uh, we'll get right to it so once again this is orange and blue bloods a new york knicks podcast odyssey wfa and original you can get these episodes of orange and blue bloods wherever you get your podcast including the free odyssey app Make sure you hit the auto, uh, the download feature on your streaming service so you can get these episodes every time we drop. We drop three times a week, so uh, make sure you hit that auto download feature on your streaming service to get these episodes. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube. You can find us on the WFAN YouTube channel as well as the Odyssey Sports channel. So check us out as there to see the video version of these episodes, not just the full episode, but also segments of the episode posted. So make sure you check us out on the WFAN YouTube and the Odyssey Sports YouTube channel. But let's begin uh, with this uh, matchup with the Pacers. So the Knicks regular season is winding down. Um, only three games left to go. Uh, by the time they take the court Wednesday, they could have the number five seed locked up. The Knicks travel to Indiana to face the Pacers uh, on Wednesday. The Knicks enter Tuesday as a number five seed in the Eastern Conference. As they enter uh, Tuesday as number five seed, Right now, the magic number as we record is one. The Nets, who are in sixth, play the T-Wolves Tuesday night, so that would be an important game. Uh, a Nets loss means the Knicks would have the five seed wrapped up, all clinched for good. If the Nets, of course, win, the Knicks could also clinch the five seed by beating Indiana 
on Wednesday. So let's talk about the Pacers real quick. Pacers are eliminated from playoff contention. That happened recently. Um, they plummeted to a 34 and 45 record after a solid start to the season. Uh, they lost uh, their last game to the Cavs uh, when the Cavs got after losing to the Knicks on Friday. Cavs beat them 115-105. They were without Tyrese Halliburton, who's uh, missed a lot of time during the second half of the season with various different injuries. He's missed three consecutive games with a sprained ankle and a sore elbow. Given that they are now out of playoff contention, you would think maybe he won't be out there. He was doubtful for that Cavs game and ended up not playing. We'll see what happens with this Knicks game. We also know the the, the history, I guess, now we can talk about with Hal Burton and the Knicks. So I don't know if that motivates him to get out there. But nonetheless, Hal Burton has missed the last three games with not just one but two injuries. So um, we'll see how the Pacers handle that. The Knicks uh, beat the Pacers in two earlier matchups this season, the last one being a 119-113 win uh, on January 11th. So, uh, Tommy – it, we know the Knicks can, I don't want to say backing because they played great, but we know the Knicks can get the, the five seed here. But do you think that it is important for them to take care of business against Indiana, regardless of whether or not the Nets win or lose? I do, actually. Um, well, I shouldn't say regardless of whether the Knicks, assuming that, you know, I, I think it's important for the Knicks to lock up that five seed as soon as possible. So if that's Wednesday mm-hmm. night, be a victory. Um, that gives you an opportunity to rest Brunson in the final two games. Um, you know, uh, you know, or at least limit his minutes, maybe sit him out one game and then have him play, you know, 15, 20 minutes um, the, the following night. Um, we've seen some players got to worry about rest because, as we know, um, Knicks play Wednesday, they play Friday, they play Sunday, Easter Sunday at one o'clock, um, the final game of the regular season. Then they'll have a week off. NBA playoffs begin that Saturday, whether the Knicks play Saturday or Sunday. Um, we, we won't know until the, the schedule is released. Um, so some guys you worry about, you know, you don't want to have seven, you know, seven days off, 10 days off. I think Brunson's one of those guys where he's shown that he can come back um, from an extended absence and, and you basically shake off the rust immediately um, and yeah. get right back into the, into the swing of things. Um, you know, you, you can, again, we know that the, the minutes played, it, it has been an issue all season. Um, it'd be nice to get Grimes a little extra rest. It'd be nice to get IQ a little extra rest. And then you just eliminate the, reduce the, po- the, the possibility of a sprained ankle, a tweaked yeah. hamstring, a strained calf, a jammed finger, um, all the other little things that can happen at any corner, at any minute of any NBA game. Um, so ideally, lock up the five seed, and then you know you can kind of put the guys in bubble wrap and, and get can get ready for the postseason. So um, I, I do think it's relatively important. Uh, a couple of things to note: um, it was just that we're recording this. Uh, what is today? Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday, yeah. We're recording this Tuesday afternoon. It was just announced within a half hour or so. Um, looks like R.J. Barrett will be cleared. Um, he missed Sunday's game with a non-COVID illness. Sounds like he'll be back in the lineup Wednesday. Um, so that's good news. Um, you mentioned Tyrese Halliburton. The Pacers have not released their injury report as of uh, this moment. Um, probably won't do so until tonight. Um, in addition to Tyrese Halliburton, Miles Turner has missed the last few games. I would assume that yeah. the Pacers play without both of those guys the rest of the season. Knicks will be a big, heavy favorite Wednesday night in Indiana as well. They should be double-digit favorite. Um, so it is a game that they should win. Um, again, take care of business um, and then lock up the five seed. It could you could the Knicks could still be playing for something even after they win if they win Wednesday. Um, 
just a couple of the things to note. I think I mentioned this on the last pod. Uh, it's technically still possible for the Knicks to catch Cleveland. That would require the Knicks winning all three of their final games and the Cavs right. losing all three of their final games. Obviously, um, very unlikely. Um, and the other thing just to note in that respect um, is the Cavs can also catch Philly um, yep. if they win out and, and Philly loses one of their final four. So um, we'll have a, uh, you know, we'll have a little bit better idea of that, um, you know, in the days ahead. Um, but to, to directly answer your question, I think it's important to lock up the five seed as soon as possible. And then that gives you some opportunity, some leeway um, to, to kind of cruise into the postseason. Yeah. I think to me, I, I think playing, and make sure you're playing well. And, and if you can win this game, get in this game, I think it is important because of almost that last part you mentioned with Cleveland, because Cleveland, because that's the matchup that's most likely at this point. Yeah. Cleveland is still playing with something to play for. You know, it, I think it's interesting that, that, you know, the odds of them falling out of four is very unlikely, but they played, you know, Donovan Mitchell, a bunch of minutes against uh, Indiana. They played Evan Mobley, a bunch of minutes. Like, they're still playing these games because they know the three seed is out there. Yep. So when you juxtapose where the Knicks are, you know, the Cavs have a matchup Tuesday night against the Magic. Of course, they win. That means they do clinch the, the four seed. I guess by then they'll know whether or not if they still have a shot at three. But I, I kind of want the Knicks to continue to play up until when the Cavs decide, okay, we're going to rest our guys too. Like what you don't want is – Knicks to come into that first playoff game rusty or maybe not 100% focused, not 100% the same mindset while Cleveland, because they have been playing towards something, is a little more sharp, a little more uh, in tune with what they want to do. So I'm looking at that. Like, you know, maybe that won't matter if, you know, the the, pace, the Cavs win this next game and the Sixers win or they lose next game and now they know, okay, we're not going to get the, the three and then they start wrestling guys. Maybe it won't be as big a deal. But I want the Knicks to be right up there with the Cavs in terms of their their readiness for this postseason because we, we know that there's a high likelihood that that's going to be the matchup. Always an interesting conversation. You see it most often in football um, when yeah. team, teams rest week 18. Um, you know, do they finish out the season strong? We know the, the Colts decided not to go for the undefeated season. We know that the Giants, the year they beat the Pats in the Super Bowl, played them really hard in week 17 as, as it was back yeah. then. Um, and, you know, a lot of people said that was part of the reason they lost by, I think it was like 35, 34, whatever it was. It was one of the reasons that they were able to beat the, the Pats in the Super Bowl and uh, the 18 and 0 Pats. So um, obviously there's, there's arguments that can be made on both sides of the ledger. Um, I will say one thing that the Knicks want to do to close out the regular season, especially when playing their regulars, is play a little bit better defensively. Um, they've been mm -hmm. sloppy on the defensive end the last few games. They've tightened it up in the fourth quarter enough to get wins, um, you know, against Houston, um, you know, obviously, uh, and, and, and of course, the, most recently this weekend. Um, so there's, there's that to keep in mind, um, you know, and yeah, and it, it, there is a, you know, I, I'd be interested to see, um, you know, kind of Tibbs take, and I guess we'll find out over the final couple of games, you know, his yeah. feelings on the, the rest verse uh, preparation angle. Um, it, I, think I, I get, I get, a, I get a hint of where he will land with that. I don't know. Knowing <laughs> Tibbs, I, they have a little feeling of what he would think about that. If I had to wager one side or the other, yeah, I think we could all agree <laughs> that he'd probably rather them rest. But I will say that in the NBA, it's a little bit differently because even the Knicks play, you know, their regular rotation Brunson 39 minutes up until the regular season, they still have at least a week off. Um, before yeah. they play again so it's not like you know they you know they, they, they'd sit guys out and then play two games from then especially with that not having to deal with the plan um, but yeah you're right uh, and also as far as the Cavs go um, advancing that three seed is huge you can tell by their, their playing their minutes yeah. 
Um, and because, you know, not only do you avoid the Knicks in the first round and, and, and would play the Nets, which would be a, obviously, you know, you ask teams, you give truths here, they'd much rather play um, the, the Nets than the Knicks. Um, you, but you avoid the, the Bucks in the, Bucks in the, in the, second, in the round. second round if you win. So um, certainly the Caps have some motivation to finish out the season strong and at least play hard until they are officially eliminated from that three season. I think you make a good point also about the Knicks defense and some of the slippage we've seen on that end. And it's been inconsistent. There have been, you know, like we saw in Cleveland first half, I actually thought they played hard defense. I thought Cleveland was just making every shot. And in the second half, we saw them, you know, kind of, you know, turn the lights out on Cleveland. We saw against Washington first half. That was not a good defensive effort. That, that was not, they were not in tune. They, they were not good at all. Um, and then we saw the second half turn the lights out on Washington. Like, it, it would be nice to see. I'm not saying a team is going to play four quarters of excellent defense, but it would be nice to see a, a more even performance defensively against this Pacers team. And it's important to note that this is a Pacers team that can score the ball. Uh, and that 51-point performance that Drew Holiday had against them a couple of nights ago, that was without Tyves Halliburton in the lineup. The Pacers scored 136 points in that game against a Bucks team that's a very, very good, maybe one of the best defensive teams in the NBA, if not the best defensive team in the NBA. A couple uh, games earlier before that with Halliburton in the lineup, they scored 130 in a loss to the Hawks. So we know Rick Carlisle, his, his team is going to take a lot of threes. They're going to move the ball. They're always going to play a disciplined brand of offensive basketball. So it is going to be important for yeah. the Knicks to be on their cues uh, defensively. And they and they just beat the Thunder, who are fighting for their yes. lives to make the play in, uh, you know, yeah. in the middle of last week. So Yeah, and they beat them. They scored 121 in that game. So, like, this is uh, this is a team that is, is you know, obviously it's the only one they've had in the last three, four weeks. But it is a team that can score, and it is a team that is live. And uh, we know we've seen these matches between these two teams this season. They've both been super competitive. The first game, of course, was the Wally Zerviak game, <laughs> where he said, you know, Albert was an All Star, and that became a whole storyline for like a week. And then the last game uh, at Madison Square Garden, Knicks. Uh, we're in a close game, and they had to kind of pull that out late after Halliburton left the game mid-game with uh, an ankle injury again in that game as well. Ankle injury, I think, has been bothering them pretty much all season. So this is uh, – so, yeah, I, I think that this is an important game. I don't want to overstress the importance, but you don't want to see the Knicks go out there against a team that is not nearly as good as them, obviously, and a team that is at this point in the 1-2-3 Cancun mode. Uh, find a way to kind of dominate them or anything like that. You want to see the Knicks continue to trend upward and at least play solid basketball, hopefully get a W here. What uh, When we talk about these postseason awards, I know we're going to talk about uh, Jalen Brunson and his most approved player candidacy soon, but I think that there actually may be a conversation for all NBA as well between Brunson and Tyrese Halliburton. Now, Halliburton isn't playing this game, but Halliburton has been one of the top point guards in the NBA. He's been a 20-10 and 10 guy this season. Uh, I think he's one of the only guys averaging 20 points, 10 assists. When you compare Brunson and Halliburton for that all-NBA spot, probably looking at the third team, where do you think Brunson stacks in that matchup? Do you think Halliburton has the edge? Halliburton did uh, edge him for the the uh, all-star game spot, which we, we saw and was <laughs> highly talked about and very controversial at the time. What do we think about all-NBA? I am uh, think Brunson deserves edge over Halliburton. I, I don't know if either of them get it. Um, I think Brunson might be the last guy on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're just kind of looking at, um, you know, the the, the four players, uh, you know, the players up for grabs, that final All-NBA spot or those final two or those final four NBA second and third team. Um, you yeah. got guys, uh, you know, De'Aaron Fox, Donovan Mitchell, um, uh, Shea Gilders-Alexander, Dame Lillard, um, those are the guards that are kind of, you know, uh, assuming that Luke and Steph are, are the first team uh, right. all-NBA guards. 
um, then you kind of get into that that second tier. Um, and to me, the a couple things. I'm going to – we'll talk about the Brunson for most improved player. I don't think he necessarily will get that, and I don't even know if I'd vote for him for that. I think, okay. But I think I would vote for him for the All-NBA third team because I think there's a little bit more emphasis on value on, on you know, if we're talking about most valuable player characteristics um, as opposed to most improved player, which I think is more of a statistical based award, at least in my interpretation of it. Right. Um, so f- for a couple of reasons, I, I would have Brunson ahead of Halbert. Halbert has been awesome this year. Yes. Uh, phenomenal. Just, you know, right, right near the top of the league in, in terms of assists, incredibly efficient offensive player, good defensive defensive player can score, you know, 24 points a night um, it, quite easily. Um, there are two things about Halliburton that I, that I think worth noting, um, especially in light of the new CBA with the 65 game minimum. Yeah. Um, Halliburton's only appeared in 56 games this season. Um, yep. So you could argue that he deserves to make the All-Star team based on the first half production. Um, Brunson has not only played four more games in the second half of the season and the season as a whole, um, he's been more effective, more productive and has led his team, whereas the, 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 the Pacers were one of the, you know, uh, earlier in the season, the first couple of times, these two teams, the, the Pacers were ahead of the, the yeah, the, exactly. You know, three or four, they were, they were up, they were up there. Um, and now obviously on the outside of the playing picture looking in. So, um, whereas the Knicks have done anything, you know, have only trended in the right direction, 13 games over 500, five seed, uh, in the playoffs. Um, so I think for that reason, um, Brunson gets a nod over Halliburton. I don't know if he'll jump over, you know, we'll see what Dame Lillard and that game's played situation yeah. looks like. Um, De'Aaron Fox, very strong case can be made. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, very strong case can be made. SGA, I think, is a lock uh, for, if yeah, not the second got He's got to be on that team, yeah. He's got to be on one of those teams. Um, so that's kind of where I am. And, but but in terms of head-to-head, um, Brunson or Hal Burton, if I had to choose one for that third All-NBA all third team, I'd go Brunson. Yeah, I would too. And it's not knocking Hal Burton. Uh, Hal right. Burton's had a tremendous season. And in some ways, I think that the Pacers, even with their record right now, 34 and 45, I, I, that's still better than I thought they would be this season. You know, mm-hmm. So that is a testament to how he's been able to lead that team. But I do value availability and I do value, you know, your team success. And I think that while we know the Knicks have a t- more talented roster, and I think we a lot of people would have thought that before the season, you know, the Knicks are a team that has have well over, over exceeded expectations. Pacers are maybe a slightly a, a ahead of expectations. Hal Burns had a really great season. You know, he's one of the best passers in the league. He's a high, uh, high efficiency a low volume score. The guy can have 20 points. It doesn't need to take a million shots. I mean, he's a, he's a really good player and also an impact player defensively. But I think for awards like all NBA, I really do think it does. That's why I really like that new rule coming in next season with the um, need to play at least 65 games. I really do think your availability has to matter. Like Steph, I assume will get first team, but I mean, he's only played 53 games. I mean, he's not technically eligible to even be up for the, He's not. He would never get it because he's not close enough. But he would not technically be eligible to be the leading scorer in the NBA this season. He's not played enough games to qualify for that. So if he makes All NBA, I'd be like, okay. I mean, he's actually not even eligible to be among the the top leading scorers. You know, should he be eligible to be on the list for All NBA? I think these and I right. Anybody who knows me knows I'm a Stephen Curry stand. I will defend Steph Curry to the end, but I'm just keeping it a hundred, you know. So, so and, I, I do hope that Brunson gets a little more um, respect for the fact that he has played so many games and he's been so much of an impact on the Knicks and they're winning this season. 
and the Warriors are no guarantee to make the playoffs right now. Right. You know, they, they could slip into the play-in. They have a couple bad games. They're out. You know, they don't even advance the playoffs. Um, how does that impact, you know, the the, the, the voting? Um, very interesting to see. Will the, will the voters, even though they're not required to, obviously they can vote for a, a player, you know, less than 65 games. The rules haven't been incorporated yet. Um, will they still, you know, kind of act under those auspices of those of those now uh, rules that will be implemented? Um, so, yeah, if, if you don't in- include Steph, then that obviously opens another, another guard spot. Um, so, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how it all plays out. Um, you know, outside, so if you take Steph off, then I think the only two locks are Luca um, and, uh, and and SGA. And then yeah. you could you could have a battle royale, you know, uh, same yeah. with Lillard. How many games has he played this season? Let me check. Yeah. Uh, it's probably around the, probably around the same I number. Around, Steph, I mean, 58 games. So he's not going right. to play again. So he'll finish with fewer than 60 games. Um, and they, they have been terrible this season. He's been individually attacked. Uh, but, uh, you know, how much weight do you put in? You know, again, that's where that's where the argument um, that Tibbs was making for Brunson, you know, and that Nick fans, um, if you were going to make an argument for Brunson, it would totally be, um, and they're not wrong, the fact that he's turned the franchise around. Um, you know, he, that, that that is the the, the, the point of delineation um, between the, the LOL Knicks and the, you know, and the, and the Knicks, assuming they obviously have had a good season and continue trending in the right direction next season, et cetera. Um, that will be looked at as the day that everything changed was the day they signed Jalen Brunson. So um, I think you can make a strong argument that he deserves 13 to all, all NBA. Knicks Pacers Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time. It probably won't be a matchup between Halliburton and Brunson. If it is, I think that would be very fun to watch. These are two of the best point guards in the NBA. But I think it's a game that uh, if the Nets are unable, unable to take care of business, they do have another game Wednesday. They play back-to-back. They play in Detroit Wednesday. So that's a game you probably write down as a Nets win. So things get a little more dicey if somehow the Nets uh, win on Tuesday. They go to Detroit and they win again and the Knicks lose. Yep. Now, you know, you're, yep. you're in a situation where things get a little interesting. So you definitely want to take care of business if you can here. So let's stay on Jalen Brunson. Let's keep the love for JB here. So um, Jalen Brunson says winning most improved player is not something he is focused on right now, though his name has been mentioned as among the top candidates for that award. Brunson is having one of the best or not one of the best season of his career. Definitely. Um, his scoring totals have skyrocketed. A lot of his numbers have skyrocketed during his first season in New York. But speaking with uh, the Daily News and uh, Stephen Bondi, Brunson said it is not something he is worried about at this moment. He said, quote, it's a unique award. Unique, unique award. It's not something I'm really focused on 100%. I don't really think about it. But if it's something that I win or achieve, I'll be very thankful. But it's not on the forefront of my mind. Tom Thibodeau was a lot more willing to campaign for Brunson when asked about it. He said, quote, I think the one thing you can when you look at him, whenever he's wherever he's been, whether it's high school, college, the pros, there's been significant jumps every season. And that's a testament to him and his willingness to grow and learn and work. His work ethic is off the charts. He'll get better every year. And so we were confident that he could do this. He's improved his scoring by eight points a game. He's taking twice as many threes. He's shooting almost 42 percent from three. He's getting to the line. He's doubled his free throw attempts. There are significant things that he's done. But I would say the most important thing is what he's contributed to winning, and that's always been his biggest attribute. Tibbs taking a page out of the Tommy Beer uh, page, their book there, with all the stats, had the stats lined up and ready to go on what Jalen Brunson has done this season. So other candidates for award, for this award include Lowry Markkinen, Shea Gilson, Alexander, and Mikhail Bridges, who since he's been a Brooklyn Net, has played at an all-star level. So 
Uh, first, I'll ask you, if Jalen Brunson were to be most improved player, I know you kind of teased it earlier, you would not vote for Jalen Brunson at this moment, moment in time? It's close. Well, first and foremost, let me say, um, Tibbs needs to watch film. Um, <laughs> don't, don't come at me with numbers. Only nerds care about numbers and stats and, and all that analytics garbage. Like, I, 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 I only go on the eye test. Um, and and watching film a bunch of times. So uh, yeah, Tommy's saying, uh, did he watch all the Jalen Brunson games two two or three times before making his case for most improved player? Exactly, exactly. And he, as he watched SGA <laughs> and, and Larry Markkinen, if not, <laughs> his opinions invalid. Um, ah, the the most improved player award. My the reason I would I, I think it, the thing working against Brunson is he was so good at this over the second half of last season. Uh, right. Basically, since Luca went down at at the point Luca went down, um, December I believe it was mid December all, all the way through January had like a month where he was running the show and he didn't average quite as as lofty numbers as he did with the Knicks, but right around there, um, Luca came back, his numbers came down a little bit, but then he started ticking them up and up and up. Efficiency, production, points, um, you know, plus minus were phenomenal last season. We know what happened in the postseasons, particularly uh, that first playoff series against Utah, basically showed what you showed this version of Jalen Brunson so with to me most improved is a guy coming you know doing something we didn't expect um so for that reason I'd probably lean towards marketing um mm-hmm. I, I think you can make a, also no disrespect to, to Lori marketing you can make a very strong case um for him just for in, in terms of his his uh, increase in product not only production but efficiency um carrying the jazz to right you know the, the the 35 38 500 mark nobody had them at around 500 coming into the season so I think he deserves a ton of credit um Mikhail Bridges, I think, is a guy that's that's that should get far more. Um, I don't. I there's three games left in the season, you know, so so it, we'll see what happens. But I think you can make a really strong case um, that that Bridges, you know, deserves yeah. really strong. In other words, if he if he had been traded uh, in the off season and you know spent the you know spent finished the season with the Suns, got traded to the Nets, and then did what he's doing with Brooklyn for a full season, I think he'd almost be a lock for the award. Um, You know, 23 games he's played with Brooklyn, averaging 27.6 points, uh, almost five boards, 63.5 true shooting percentage. Um, He's second in the league in total points scored post all-star break. Um, He's just ahead of Devin Booker and beat is the only player that scored more total points um, since the all-star break. Um, You know, just uh, as an aside, that trade's looking really good for the Nets right now. Um, yeah. Not only did they get rid of Kyrie Irving, addition by subtraction, we know what's going on in Dallas. We don't even have to talk yeah. about that. Yeah, we're, well, well, we're about to <laughs> in the next exactly. segment. Yeah, we we will. Um, but as far as what the Nets got back, not only did they get draft capital um, and kind of replenish their draft stock, uh, but uh, Mike Bridges has been a monster. Um, and just just a really phenomenal player. So um, again, you, I just talked about why I think Brunson's deserving of that third team. Um, I, I think again, personally, these are the awards. So much subjectivity involved in the awards. What Brunson has done um, hasn't shocked me. I don't think it's quite as surprising. Um, so it's not as quite a, a step up as what we've seen. Like you know, I did not see SGA averaging 32 points a game, over 50% shooting this year. Um, you know, marking and you know uh, again from around four. Team to, to, to what he's doing um, on the boards as well defensively uh, with the Jazz. Then you have Bridges. So um, I probably wouldn't. I'd have to sit down and, and obviously really think about it. Um, if I was yeah. going to cast a vote, I do not have a vote. Um, but I don't think I, I, I would lean in one of those other three guys' directions, I think. 
Yeah, I think I agree. I think for me, the leaders in the clubhouse, I, I'll tell you what, I think Bridges' case is extremely compelling because yeah, it almost kind of presents a new definition of the award that we really kind of never has done. Usually it's been most improved from last season. Mm-hmm. But in this case, you almost have to say like most improved within a season. And and in some degree, like when you think about most improved awards, like outside of maybe the NBA, when you think of like youth sports or you think about, um, you know, you know, jobs, things, things like that, usually most improved award is for someone that improved over the course of a season, not necessarily from last season or last year to this year. So the fact that you had a guy who was averaging 17 points for one team, you know, go to another team and average 20, almost 28 points a game. He has four. He has two games with the Nets where he's scored over forty points. Like you, you would think that okay, he's improved over the course of the season, so maybe he's the guy that should get the award. So I, I think I would lean Bridges over Brunson, and I, to me, this may actually be one of the best crop of most improved player candidates I've seen. Them. Like you're talking about, you know, two guys who were all stars in Shea Gilgis and. Um, and uh, and and Lowry marketing one guy that should have been all star in Jalen Brunson, and another guy, Mikael Bridges, who's been playing like a top 10 player the last month and a half of the season. So, like, the like, it, it, these are all really great candidates to me. I just think with what we saw from Brunson last season, as you mentioned, and kind of what we were kind of expecting coming into the season, not to say that we, we thought the Knicks would maybe take the leap that he he took. The Knicks are taken, but I think a lot of people thought that Brunson could take an injury to the lead that he has taken because he'd have more minutes, more shots, more opportunity to kind of run a team. So I think if you told me before the season these were going to be his numbers, I would have been like, "Oh wow, that's great!" And maybe I'd be pleasantly surprised. Maybe after the points are a little high, but I'd say, "Oh wow, that's really good." But I would not have been shocked. Right. You would have told me that Lowry Markkinen, a guy yeah. who I, I've been a big fan of coming out of uh, Arizona and early in his career, and I've been very disappointed in him. I've been he was a player for like three seasons. I kept saying, oh, this guy's going to be the – he's going to make his first all-star game this year. And he kept yep. disappointing. And to go from being, you know, a kind of a role player, bit player in Cleveland, averaging 14 points a game to what he's been for the Utah Jazz, that to me is stunning. I, I did not see that coming. Um, I, I love Shea Gildas Alexander. I I, I, probably, I may have been a guy who thought he could average 30 because I, I love him so much. But I know a lot of people did not expect what they saw from Shea Gildas Alexander this year. And – I knew Bridges would get more shots and more opportunities, but I didn't think he'd be this good for Brooklyn. So I think that those guys would probably still be the leaders in the clubhouse, but Jalen Brunson doesn't take away from the fact that he still had an awesome season this year for the Knicks. I totally agree. And and the other thing, again, the other thing with marketing, um, if I would have told you on April 4th that the Jazz would be a half game behind the maps, uh, you know, uh, just right. uh, two games back of the Timberwolves, um, you know, that a lot of that has to do with marketing. Um, Interestingly, as an aside, since we mentioned it, um, it was a good story at the beginning of the season, and it was a good story for most of the season. Now, if you now if you're a Jazz fan, you're in no man's land. You know I, I, that's why I and that's why I was I was surprised by kind of the direction Ainge took. Um, could they improve next year and, and jump up another five, ten wins? I guess you know they they can build around the, the edges, but I think a lot of Jazz fans were hoping that they would clear house, get rid of Gobert, get rid of Royce O'Neal, get rid of Donovan Mitchell, of course, and then. Be in the Wembyana sweepstakes, they're nowhere near 
um, uh, you know, they're I, I'm sure they could get lucky in the lottery. Um, but, uh, you know, to, to walk away from this season um, with a, uh, a the ninth overall pick in the draft, let's say, um, is, is not what we expected. So it, that's good in one case when you're making the case for Laurie Markin in terms of the Jazz future franchise. Yes, they have a ton of draft capital, so they could trade for another play. They have a lot of ways to go. Um, but they don't have it. They most likely won't have a top pick um, in this year's draft, um, which is which is interesting. I'll just say. Yeah, to quote uh, Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec, "Never a half-ass yep. one thing, uh, two things, whole ass one thing." So they kind of did a half job. They were yep. like, "Okay, we're gonna strip it down, but we're not gonna trade the rest of these veterans yep. until it's too late." So like they traded, you know, Mitch. They you know Donovan Mitchell. They traded Gobert, they traded Royce O'Neal, and then they had all these other guys that were still viable players for them. They would say, all right, what are you going to do with Conley? What are you going to do with um, uh, uh, the guy, they got, uh, Jordan Clarkson? Like, what are you going to do with some of these players? And a lot of these guys, they kept – some of them they, they still have on the team that they've still not gotten rid of. Yep. And because of that, the Jazz and because of marketing's uh, improved play this season, they never were able to really get themselves into the women Yama Week 6 because they were too good. And yep. instead of, uh, you know, not letting that thing ride out once they started off hot, he let it go up until the trade deadline when then it started to appear, okay, I don't know if the playoffs are likely at this point. Yep. At that point, it was too late. Yep. So Be- it was Be- – Beasley, Vanderbilt, all those guys helped him too much. And he also overvalued those guys. I mean, remember, yep. he wanted yep. a first-round pick for yep. each of these players, and he only ended up getting one first-round pick yep. for three of the guys he traded. He yep. traded Conley, traded Vanderbilt, traded Beasley. And he's got all these guys worth the first. and only got one. So, like, and meanwhile, how many games of those that those guys win for the Jazz over the course of that time? So, in my opinion, it was a borderline disaster class for Danny Ainge in terms of team building uh, and putting themselves in a position to really build. Because now you come into this draft. Now, you know, I mean, you got a million picks from the Timberwolves. So I'm sure they'll yeah. be fine for the next few years. But you come in yeah. this draft now and a draft that, has some really impressive talent, but I think it's top heavy. If you ask me, yes. Who yeah. draft. I, I, I think that once you get out of the top four, yep. I, I think you're, you're now you're starting to kind of throw darts at the dartboard and it gets yep. a little scary. And the Jazz, who are a team that clearly need a lot of help, they could be looking at another season next season where now they have to strip down more veterans to try to rebuild this roster. So, meanwhile, you got Laurie Marketing and an all star player on your team. Like, how, how many games are you going to lose with that guy uh, playing at the level he's playing? So, yeah, Jazz. Not in the best situation at this point. Uh, maybe the Knicks getting the last laugh after all of that uh, Donovan Mitchell trade fiasco uh, and all the negotiations that happened with that. But uh, we'll see what happens with the most improved player award. I, I do think that it's a very impressive class. Brunson will be uh, among the guys named. I don't know if he'll be a finalist, but I think he will be among uh, the top the four or five guys in the voting there. Um, let's uh, wrap the show talking about, again, a, a team that is not the Knicks, but is definitely impacting the Knicks right now in terms of what they will, their offseason will look like. And that is the Dallas Mavericks. The Mavericks have been an absolute tailspin, and their struggles could impact the Knicks in a negative way. So let's explain this. The Mavs lost in OT to Atlanta on Sunday. They have in fallen a, to in a wild game. Wild, wild, wild game, Um, <laughs> which, you know, surprise. By the way, time before I even get into this, I have to mention, did you see the John Hollinger tweet on the Hawks season? And the numbers and just Amazing. how mid they are this season. I mean, they 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 basically for the entire season, in terms of the overall numbers, in terms of points allowed and points scored, they're essentially even for the entire season. 
Yep. They are 39-39 with a record. Yep. They are 39-39 with their record, so they're 500. They've scored 9,209 points. They've allowed 9,210 points. So that's literally a one-point difference over the course of 78 games this season. They are 24-24 and against the East, 15-15 and against the West, and they are within uh, one game of 500 for a 72 consecutive days. So all the talk about, you know, the mid three with the Knicks. I mean, there's nothing more mid than what you're seeing from the Atlanta Hawks. That is a, a stunning stat. And shout out to John Hollinger for having that ready to go after this win they had. Because I, I, I had to read this like five times when I saw that. Unbelievable what's happened with the Hawks. It's, it's like the uh, that Duke, North Carolina stats for over like 25 years where they were like within one point of each other. Yeah. You know? Um, and and also for the for somebody that's the king of Broadway, that's not very regal uh, to to be to be mid, you know. No, no, not at all. Yeah, it's definitely not good for the king of Broadway. Not good for the brand at all. They they may have to uh, you know it makes heads are gonna have to roll, and there may be some guillotines out for what's going on uh, with the Hawks if 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 uh, if the king is looking so embarrassing in this in this light with being so mid right now this season. But back on the Mavericks, the Hawks got back to five hundred with this win over the uh, the Mavericks. So the, the Mavs now in the 11th seed, and more importantly, the Mavs are the 10th worst team in the NBA. What that means is the top 10 protected pick that the Mavs owned the Knicks from the Chris Dasport-Zingas trade would not convey for the Knicks if Dallas remains in the top 10 once we get to the draft lottery. The Dallas Mavericks will keep their pick. Now, they are currently one game behind OKC for the final playing spot in the West, uh, Dallas's next game is against the Sacramento Kings on Wednesday. So there's been talk about should the Dallas Mavericks lose these three games to so ensure that they can get that top 10 pick because the the odds, if they fall to 11, like drastically change <laughs> whether or not they can keep their pick. Because essentially, if they fall to 11 or 12 or any of these numbers, they ha- essentially have to have like an 80% chance of not getting their pick. Um, but if they stay in the top 10 or they, even they stay at 10, they basically have a 90% chance of keeping their pick. But this is also the Dallas Mavericks, a team with a lot of expectations, a team that wanted to make the playoffs, a team that just traded for Kyrie Irving. So you would think that also would be a motivation for them. So before we get even on the Knicks standpoint, like what would you do right now if you're Dallas? Okay, so they play the Kings Wednesday night. Um, Kings are basically locked into the three seed. It looks like they can catch Memphis. Um, if they went out, the Grizz lose out. Um, Phoenix is not going to catch them. So I think for all intents and purposes, they're locked into the three seed. So we'll see if they play their stars. Um, you know, if, I, I assume they're still, again, there's still a full week left in the regular season. So I don't wouldn't think they'd sit everybody out, but maybe they'll stagger Donovan's, um, De'Aaron Fox sits out Monday, the, you know, Sabonis sits out Thursday, that type of thing. Maybe they'll do that. Um, we'll see how that plays itself out. Um, after that, the, the, they play the Mavs play the Bulls Friday night. That could end up being not the most important game of the next season, but <laughs> but but up there. Um, yeah. The Bulls currently are thirty-eight and forty. Um, the Mavs are thirty-seven forty-two. So if the Bull, if the Mavs win Wednesday, uh, they'd be thirty-eight and forty-two, and the Bulls lose. Uh, you know, those two teams could and that could essentially decide whether the right. You know, because OKC is also at thirty and forty-one, and 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 Minnesota's at thirty-nine and forty. Um, so there's a lot of flip-flopping, um, but that could yeah. essentially decide whether the Bulls are ten and the Mavs are eleven, or the Mavs are eleven and the Bulls are ten. Um, 
Yes. So to your point, there was also a Shams report, um, Shams Tarania of The Athletic um, on a, a podcast or, or, or I saw a clip on Twitter. Um, so I think it was a live stream um, basically saying that the the, the um, Mavs have had internal discussions whether to sit Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving yeah. the final three games, um, you know, which would be shocking in the sense that they obviously um, are just a game behind the Thunder, um, but the Thunder on the tie break. So they need to win out and then have the Thunder lose at least one game because um, they have to pass uh, OKC in the standings. Yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe if the um, uh, Dallas, you know, maybe they'll play their guys Wednesday night. If they're mathematically eliminated by Friday night, they sit their, their two guys out in particular for that Bulls game. Um, and yes, so to, so um, the Knicks, uh, just to uh, clarify on the, on the Knicks point, um, they're, the pick from the Porzingis trade is top ten protected. Yeah. Um, so if they if the Knicks don't get it this year, it's still top ten protected next year, um, and then top ten protected the next year after that. Then it transfers to a second round pick. So it's not like the Knicks would you know you assume uh, with Luka Doncic they would at least be not one of the ten worst right. teams in the NBA last season. But we yeah. said that coming into the season, and yeah. they traded for a, a Hall of Famer in his prime, and look where they are. Um, but from the mass perspective, you could certainly understand why they would have faith that they'd be in the one of the 10 best teams in the NBA, then transfer, uh, you know, the 23rd overall pick next season and keep the 10th pick this year. The reason why the Knicks could still get the pick if the Mavs finish the regular season with the 10th worst record, um, as EJ talked about, is a team in the 11, to 11 12, 13, 14 could jump up into the top four again, yeah. very, very slim odds. I think it's less than two percent for each of those teams. So again, it's like ninety-three percent that the Mavs would keep their pick. Um, that so the the irony of all ironies, of course, would be if they sit Luke and Kyrie and then finish it with the tenthers record, and then a team jumps them in the in the lottery, then they still transfer the pick. Um, so so craziness could have be abound. Do I think the Mavs should tank the you know the, the final three? Games? I don't think they can. I think you send the wrong message to Luca, to the organization, to your fans. Listen, if by Friday night they're mathematically eliminated, then all bets are off. Then you want to lose the Bulls game on purpose, so be it. Uh, but I don't think you can go into Wednesday night still with a chance to qualify for the postseason, however slim that chance is, and have a team with Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving and and lose the game and then sit those guys. I, I just I personally I know the league would have a problem with it. It'd yeah. be a major talking point. I just think it would send the wrong message to everybody involved. Yeah, I, I I assume once that Shams report came out that the NBA, I assume they called the Dallas Mavericks. I, yeah. I I think that 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 would have to have to have been a very serious conversation because the whole point of the play-in tournament was to drive interest in the final games of the season was to keep these teams who are kind of in a situation where maybe they would just say, all right, just mail it and say, hey, well, you know, we can still make the playoffs even though we're the 10th seed, so why not just, you know, play it out since we're not going to have a chance at a topic anyway. But this became such a unique situation, situation I don't think the NBA could have ever really thought about, that a team could have a top 10 pick that is also a team that thought they were title contenders, but it's in a position where maybe if they lose, it will be better for them to keep that pick as opposed to trying to get into a playing situation that they don't control their own destiny. Like they can win all these three games and still not make the playoffs. So that is not something the league could have could have thought about, which is why we're now having this very interesting conversation when it comes to the Dallas Mavericks. And just to put these odds, you know, in context, like right now, the Oklahoma City Thunder are the 11th team in this thing. So if Dallas were to 4-11, they would be in this spot. 
Right now, Oklahoma City has a 9.4% chance of getting into the top four. If Dallas were to fall in that spot, that would be their chances of keeping, keeping their lottery pick. Because if they don't get into the top four, you can't move up to seven or you can't move up to eight. It doesn't work like that. If you're outside of the top four, you can only get to the top four. That's as high as you get. You can't get into six or seven or anything like that. All you can do is fall back. They can fall back, but that's the the NBA format is they just draw the NBA format is they just draw for those that not, may not be sure. They just draw off. They, they they have the lottery hopper, and it's actually four numbers, not one number. But they they they, yeah. they, they draw for the first four seeds. After the first four seeds are drawn, then it's strictly uh, record order. After that, yes, exactly. So this so it, 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 this very interesting when it comes to like what Dallas will do. I, I anticipate that they'll play until they they realize that they're they're not going to make the playoffs. I, I don't think that they'll sit there guys early because I think that it would send a, a really bad message for the entire league and, and for a league that is trying to build goodwill about the fact that it's regular season does matter when people are upset about it. I, I will say this. Uh, one, the, the Mavs could finish with the 11th most record in the league and still the Knicks not get their pick because they could right. jump off into the top. Exactly. One, other, one other thing to keep in mind. I just, as far as the league and, and silver getting the phone and you know, with the map, the one thing if anybody was going to tweak the NBA and just give an FU to the league, it's Cuban, who's already yeah. protesting a game. He's furious with the referees. I've actually had a conversation with him um, via a Twitter direct message. He, re- he reached out to me, actually, and let me know that he dis- – I-, I tweeted that the, the, <laughs> that the NBA is moving in the right direction. You know, the referees are are doing some – you know, they're, they're – they're, preparing you know more diligently there's more film review he got he, he went on a on a tangent and um aj i'll show you the dms yeah that. yeah you gotta t- yeah show me that guy screenshot that one for me i will do but he just he just basically explained that i couldn't be further from the truth and he has uh proprietary information that i certainly don't have access to um so there's let's just say there's there's bad blood between the league yeah. and, and and the match and don't so. forget remember he they protested the jalen brunson or at least they yep. wanted the tampering yep. charges yep. on yep. jalen yep. brunson yep. that yep. i guess they won it was like a late first round pick Knicks lost from like four or five years from now, but nonetheless, yeah, it's been a frustrating year for Mark Cuban all yes. around. Uh, his team hasn't played well, the coach hasn't performed all that well, and Jason Kidd. So, yeah, there's anybody who, who would definitely want to tweak the NBA. I agree, it is Mark Cuban for the Knicks if they aren't unable to get this pick this season. Like, how much you think it would impact like how they approach this uh, this offseason because they wouldn't have a first round pick, they traded that for Josh Hart. So, it does become a little interesting in regards to how flexible they could be with making a big trade this uh, this uh, summer or maybe even during the draft season when, when that comes around. Exactly. The, 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 the important piece here is not only obviously would they not have an 11th overall pick, 12th overall pick, which they could use and add the rotation or flip the guy or whatever the case might be, they wouldn't be able, because of the stipend rule, they wouldn't be able to make a trade for involving future draft picks until the until their draft pick was made. So later in the draft or after the day after the draft, et cetera, during free agency, they could still make the pick because then they would have their own 24th, uh, yes. 2024 pick. Um, but they would not have a 2023 pick. So that would kind of complicate things. So um, yes, make no mistake. The, 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 the Knicks are hoping um, for, for multiple reasons, um, especially if a superstar shakes loose and you need extra draft capital um, yeah. that the pick conveys the season. Because again, obviously common sense would tell you that the Mavs would be much better next season, whether they get rid of Kyrie, 
agree or right. not. Exactly. Uh, it's, there's, it, they're very unlikely to be on the borderline. Most people didn't assume that the 10th wouldn't even come into play. Um, because right. That the maps would make the playoffs, um, or at least at the worst case scenario, um, if they were going to miss the playoffs, be the you know 14, 13 seed. And, and here they are potentially 9, 10. So we'll see. Yeah. And and with the Knicks having to make decisions about who to pay this offseason, um, does Obi Toppin get traded? Like, there's also the, the idea the Knicks may want to have just drafted a guy to maybe replace somebody in this rotation. Like, yeah. there's a chance that I don't, you know, I don't think there's any chance, obviously, that IQ anybody leaves. But if there's some movement in this roster, that's a pick they could have had. If you have a, a 11th, 12th pick in the draft or whatever, you know, you're, you're standing at, like, you have a chance to get a player, player who is in the rotation next season, a guy who can contribute or a guy who maybe has a pretty high ceiling. So uh, they would have liked to have had that pick, whether it was to move it or whether to keep it. So it'll be it will be interesting to see what the Dallas Mavericks do, but a fascinating situation happening with Dallas, and it directly involves the Knicks and whether or not they will get this uh, top ten protected draft pick this season. But that's gonna do it for this edition of Orange and Blue Bloods. Thank you guys so much for checking us out, Tommy. Let the people know they can find you at Tommy Beer on Twitter. You can find me EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter, Action EJ on Instagram. Again, thank you guys for checking out Orange and Blue Bloods. A WFAN Odyssey original New York Knicks podcast. You can get these episodes wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Hit the auto download feature on your streaming service to get these episodes every time we drop. We drop three times a week. We have one more coming at you later this week. So make sure you keep uh, your eyes and ears peeled for that. Also, check us out on YouTube. We're on uh, the Odyssey sports page and the WFAN YouTube channel as well. So check us out there. We post full episode and segments from these episodes on youtube check us out wfan odyssey sports thank you guys again for checking us out for tommy i'm ej take it easy guys peace